Well, we're talking to you this time from Anchovy, Jamaica. Yes, there is a town by the name of Anchovy. And we want to brag on our listeners from last week. And from the countries that uh, had the most listeners, we started with Thailand. Hey, Thailand. Then the Philippines, particularly Metro Manila, USA, and especially the states of Georgia and Alabama. Thank you for being with us. Then, amazingly, Bangladesh, Myanmar, then India, Cambodia, Honduras, and Ethiopia. Nine countries have been the top listeners uh, that we had with us last week. So we want to welcome you and all the other countries that are with us this week. We're excited to have you as part of our family. And, you know, it's our dream that what God is doing here is he's establishing a global family of media missionaries, new messengers, a whole new generation of messengers who understand the times that we're in and the need to use digital technology and uh, visual storytelling and media, but also the need to stand up and open your mouth and be a voice for God in this generation. We're so excited that you're part of this family, and it just keeps growing week after week. And today's topic, once again, we're going to talk about Babylon, but I want to talk about Babylon, our mission field. Today's talk is going to be a little bit different, first because of where I'm at. I'm in a very accessible place. I'm just on a country road, sitting on a concrete wall, and it's just the only way I could find a place where I could record uh, so I don't know what all is going to happen, and I'll just try to go with it. A lot of birds, a lot of animals, and even quite a few people. But it's a good environment in a lot of ways, too. Uh, I want to introduce you to something that I haven't told you about, but it's a really important resource. It's a podcast that I've been producing for many years, but we're in season four right now, and if you're ever going to understand your Bible, you've really got to get your hands on chapters 1 through 12 of Genesis. The Bible opens with this foundational story. It's 12 chapters long. And then as you jump over to the end of the book, at the end of the Bible, you will get a repeat. It will return now to those first 12 chapters, and you will see the theme of Genesis 1 through 12 over and over again through Scripture. So, Uh, I have a podcast called The Thread Bible Podcast. You can look it up on any podcast platform. And we're going to go slowly, verse by verse. There's so much here. Well, in chapter 11 uh, of those foundation chapters of Genesis, we learn about a city called Babylon. It's the foundation of this city. And Babylon is is the logical conclusion of the rebellion that started in chapter 3. God created humans and he made them lords over the earth with him. They were co-regents to rule this planet under his authority. They were to be his imagers on planet earth. And they got to live in the royal garden with the creator God. And they got to enjoy fellowship with him. There was only one requirement. That was it. All their needs would be met. But they had one requirement, and that was they had to be loyal to him. And they proved by chapter 3 that they're not going to be loyal to him. And they began the human quest 
to be a little God rather than to be uh, the child of God and to be the image of God. They want to be a God. And so uh, Adam and Eve fall and they bring chaos into the world. And immediately we start to see this cycle of stories as their descendants continue to, to attempt to be little gods and create disasters and pain all over the world. And then it crashes and, and then they just do it again and again. Well, by chapter 11 of Genesis, you have the ultimate sophisticated attempt at doing this. And that is, instead of trying to do it alone, that it's a huge collaborative project. And humans come from all around to establish themselves and create a great city. And this city has two purposes. The first one is to dominate other humans. They want power over other humans. They want to name themselves and make their name a great name so that they are the rulers of the other humans in the world. And the second thing they want to do is assault heaven they want to defy the creator god and so they in their words we're going to build a war tower that reaches up into heaven well that's not possible because heaven's not just a physical place a little bit above the clouds but the point is there and humans have never stopped doing this well babylon as a city continues to be a dream of fallen ego-inflated, selfish humans. And so we watch Babylon throughout the rest of Scripture being built up into this powerful, sophisticated nation. Now, simultaneously, God has established a people. And these people are the children of Abraham. And he's also from Babylon, but God chose him, also a pagan. And he takes him aside and he says, if you will be loyal to me, that's all I'm asking, If you will be loyal to me, through you, I will bring a blessing back to the earth. I will use you to be a light to all the nations. And so we see the the simultaneous development of Babylon on this side and Israel on this side. Well, David establishes Israel, capital city Jerusalem. They build a temple to the creator God and David inaugurates this temple with great worship and with songs and festivals and Israel you know is like at its peak but from then on Israel begins to fall into a perpetual kind of backsliding and God warned them over and over again and then the day they never thought they'd see actually arrived when Babylon invaded Israel and tore down the walls and carried the people off as slaves and more than that they marched right to the temple of the creator God and they burned it to the ground and they tore it down and they took the precious gold uh, pieces that had been made as uh, items of worship to the Lord they took it back to Babylon and put it in the houses of their own gods that they had made with their hands as a way of mocking the Creator God. And broken, Israel finds themselves in Babylon, and they are angry, and they want to do something about it. 
They want to do something to Babylon. And God sends them a message through prophet Jeremiah. And he says two things. Number one, I want you to integrate yourself into Babylon. I want you to become part of their fabric socially. I want you to participate in the economy. I want you to build a house. I want you to get married. I want you to just settle into that nation. Maybe some are thinking, from within, we will destroy them. We will conquer them. And then the Lord says the second thing, and this one totally shocks him. He says, and I want you to let your light shine in Babylon. Oh, but God, these are horrible people, and they hate you. They've burned down your temple. They're evil people. And the Lord's message, as you, as you hear him speak from so many different voices in that era, he's saying to them, I know how evil they are, but they are spiritually blind. They've lost their way. And you're in Babylon not because they defeated you and not because surely they defeated me. I warned you I was going to send you there because you live just like they live. So you've gone there to become disciplined and pure, but you're also there to be restored to your central purpose as a nation. You are here to be a light to the nations and bring blessing to the earth. And I want you to shine your light in Babylon. Wow, what a huge word and how merciful God is that instead of being like all bent out of shape over his the, the temple the humans built for him getting destroyed, and there was only one of them in the whole world. He's focused on the people who did the destroying, kind of like Jesus on the cross. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And God understood these are lost people. And the book of Daniel is an entire uh, experiment in living in Babylon as a child of God and speaking truth, to power and speaking to people who have the power over you, they could do anything to you and no one would question it. And yet God is using the Israelites to speak the message of God to them. Now the Lord tells them, Babylon really is wicked and there is coming a day and I'm going to judge Babylon and she will be repaid for everything she has ever done to anyone. But until that day, you stay there and you do good work. Babylon is your mission field. Well, they spend two generations of human life, 70 years, for some of them much longer than that. Uh, and the day comes, the day that they expected, one day this is going to happen. Sure enough, Babylon is invaded by another power greater than themselves, Babylon is destroyed and conquered, and the Jewish people can all go home. And most of them, some stay, but most of them do go home. But when they get home, it's not as glorious as they were told. It's not the dreamy place because, honestly, there's a lot of Babylon still in Israel. And they could see it everywhere, and they would... They started noticing the other Babylons, and one great Babylon resurfaces. This one is named Rome, and Rome has its own gods, and Rome conquers the world and wants to make its name great, and it defies, you know, the God of Israel. And the same thing is happening 
all over again. Now, this goes on and on. When you get to the end of the Bible, you've got the same circumstance. It's Babylon, the persecutor of God's true people. And Babylon is presented in the New Testament as a seductive woman. Because what Babylon comes to be understood is it's not so much a physical place as it is a system. Babylon, and please focus, focus on me for just a minute. Babylon is the human conspiracy against God. It is an organized conspiracy. And it uses the, uh, what we call the pillars of society. Well, what are the pillars of society? Well, all societies have to have a government. And they all have to have an economy. So there's business and there's government. And they all need some kind of... Uh, physical muscle force, whether it's national police or a military. So you've got the military and you've got your learning and your education and that becomes a pillar. And then there is the religion of your nation and that's a pillar. And these days, media is one of the great pillars. They are the mouthpiece to the whole country. And so you end up with these great pillars are huge silos of power, the academic world, and it's all sitting there, and what we understand from understanding Babylon is all of these pillars will be made anti-Christ. They will be used, education will be used against the Creator God, and the economy will be used against the will of God, and all of it. It's all coordinated by the darkness in, human, in humans. And when humans do this, that's Babylon. Now, Babylon does its work not, not just with muscle, although Babylon is not afraid to shed blood. Babylon does its work in a crafty way because it's the capital of the darkness. And so Babylon uses seduction, and Babylon uses corruption. And Babylon uses money to turn hearts and media to put messages in minds. And Babylon is very sophisticated at twisting and turning. But Babylon has devilish designs. And one of those is to destroy the worship of the Creator God and all who walk with Him. To persecute true followers of the Lord. Strangely, the way the Lord is, He loves Babylon. He will judge Babylon, but there are people in Babylon, and He loves them, and He's reaching, He is trying, as Jesus from the cross is trying, was trying, and He is reaching out to Babylon. But there is a day, and there's a day, and in the book of Revelation, then there's a cry, and the Lord speaks to his people and he says to his children, my people, now come out of Babylon. Don't stay there. Don't participate in her sins and don't be caught and suffer her punishment. Come step aside from her because her time for judgment has come. There's coming a day when Babylon, which drinks the blood of all the innocents that have ever been slain. There's coming a day where Babylon will be judged. 
and heaven in the book of Revelation, you see this story in chapter 18, heaven breaks out in celebration because Babylon has been the enemy of God's work from the garden. It begins in the heart, a twisted heart, as Eve chooses the rebellion and Adam joins her and Cain, the murderer, builds the first city like a little mental prototype and then the Tower of Babel and this thing just keeps on going. It has always been there. But on the one hand, while it is at work to destroy the people of God on earth, it is still the object of God's love until that final day. And then God speaks out and he says, Babylon is actually a cage. It's like a trap. And the people who are seduced by Babylon, they all get filtered from the planet. They pull into Babylon because they love the things of Babylon. And then there is a moment where the trumpet sounds and the door of the trap snaps shut. And everyone who is in Babylon is now in Babylon for the judgment of Babylon will come. But until that day, we have our chance and Babylon is our mission field. Now, she may take our life if she can, and she will silence our voice if she can. This is not a peacetime endeavor. This is a wartime endeavor. But the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. But God is calling new messengers, and he is calling you to stand up and speak for him to Babylon. This is going to be a great interview. Uh, we've got one of one of my very closest friends, somebody I admire a lot, and a partner in the Media Light Ministry. Johnny Moore is here in the studio with us. Hey, Johnny! So glad to have you. Good to be here. And Johnny was here for those early days, and uh, it wasn't like right now. We've got this glorious campus that we've just christened, and uh, acres and acres of we've got a football field and we've got a recording studio and our own coffee shop, a really good sized coffee shop. And uh, that's been fun. And we've got worship area, dormitories. We sleep 80 people there. We've got, a, but it wasn't like that in the beginning. What are your memories, Johnny, about the, the early days of Media Light? Um, the, the early, I think it was one. It was it was a lot of just learning as you go. I mean, it was learning for the students. It was learning as, for the staff as well. Um, and it was kind of the whatever could go wrong possibly might have gone wrong from you know it was like especially was, the first time, right? Because and it was, but it, it was definitely a learning experience because you know there was flooding in the basement. So you know one of couple afternoons our exercise time was instead going to be all right everybody pitch in let's shovel out the the excess water in the basement um you know equipment malfunctions um but you know figuring out okay this curriculum necessarily didn't work in this context and just and a lot of the staff were new to it this is the first time they ran a school so one thing that was great about it was just kind of seeing grace in action. There was a lot of grace from the standpoint of like uh, the students extended to, to the staff. You know, these are students that, that paid money to be there. 
but there's no, I don't remember there being any like bad attitudes or ill will, mm-hmm. uh, complaining. It was just like, you know, it was, it was this big adventure. Everyone was in it together. Uh, but yeah, it was just a really, really great experience. I think. I mean, I'm one of those people that I love to pioneer new things. Sherry and I have planted churches. We've we established graduate schools and radio stations, and Media Light was a new thing, totally new. Uh, and we honestly didn't know that much about media in the beginning. I knew enough to know I needed to go to school, and I went to school. And when we made our first effort to have our own training program for Asia, you know, it had a lot of gaps in it. But something I hope everybody gets is that. You don't wait till you can do it perfect. I have a friend that says it like this. Anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. And what he means is if you're going to wait for excellence before you open the door the very first time, you're going to be waiting a long time because the way you get to excellence is to do your best, critique it, now do it better next time. And this you know, reiteration over and over again. But what I've what I learned the most, and it's the reason we succeeded in getting it off the ground was to bring in, uh, you get by with your friends, you know, your whole life's going to be the result of your relationships. And we had good relationships with Graham and Diane Vermouten and their son, Shane, and they were media experts from media village in Cape town. That's where I went to school. And, uh, they came over with so much grace and they just poured into our students they were our teachers for two whole years. When we ran school, they were there, and they were there for weeks and weeks, helping us get this off the ground, sharing how they did it, their whole curriculum they shared with us. And uh, it wasn't until the third year that we felt that we were on our own feet now, and we developed our own curriculum and changed to the new, the DSLR phenomenon had started. Uh, But, you know, your friendships are really important. As you try to succeed in anything, um, you remember anything else from those days that you just want to? Yeah, bring up I, a I do. I do remember that. Um, like you know, Shane and Diane, they, they, they were so competent in their in their area of expertise. But the, the great thing about it was it, it was not um, threatening or anything like that on the standpoint of the of the other staff and the other leaders because it was. You know, these people operated, they knew what they're doing and they're confident in it. And I think sometimes leaders, they get somewhat territorial and somewhat uh, just prideful in the standpoint of they maybe they don't want to release power expertise. And I think... And insecure. Yeah, in in insecurity. And that was something that was refreshing to see. And it's something I've kind of tried to operate in and and, and extend in whether I, you know, teaching in class or working with someone, it, it is not uh, beyond me to admit that, you know what, hey, I'm not the most competent in this. That's okay. This person is great. Like with, you know, on our staff, we have different, you know, Luis is just amazing at, he can figure out a problem, do do something on the fly so quickly. And he's, he's so good at so many different things. And for me, it's, it is not beyond me to admit, hey, uh, you know what, you're asking me that question let me, let's talk to Luis about it because he's excellent at this. Or mm-hmm. if a student asks me a question uh, about something and I don't know the answer to it, I think if leaders can get to the place of saying those words, you know, I don't know, but let's learn it together. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that first school was it was really a lot of like the staff was learning it together. Um, they were relying on people that knew it. Um, so I think being able to kind of humble yourself and and it also allows you the opportunity to you know to learn something new as well. So that's one of the things I've, I've tried to incorporate. You know, when I teach and when I lead is... And you really, that's the second curriculum. You've got mm-hmm. your stated curriculum, which is the official thing. And then the secondary curriculum, it can really be so much more important, you know, that you're, you're showing humility, how to get things done. And, and, it's, and that's something that, mm-hmm. you know, and it stuck with me too, as a, as, a, as a student, seeing staff operating that, because I, you know, have seen so many different leadership models, but, it, but it's always... You know, leadership is being taught of you know leaders being above and not not among and kind of pushing and, and spurring people on. Um, so for me, it kind of really stuck out seeing you know you and Sherry and and, and Yune and, and and Laney and those early staff. They, they didn't really have all the answers, but it was all right. Let's let's not keep that keep us from 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 moving forward. And I think a lot of times it's. Uh, we, we, we're hesitant, like you'd said a minute ago, you know, we want to be excellent at everything. I think, you know, we, we want being great is the enemy of getting started because I think that's a, a lot of times we're too afraid to, to jump forward and move ahead because it's not perfect yet. Um, well, let's talk about the pursuit of excellence. What's the one ingredient that you would say will help a person get Make advance toward excellence. What have we learned? What have you learned as a teacher? Because you started as a student. Very quickly, you came over to the staff side, and you've been with us for all these 10 years. Uh, we've learned a lot about how to take a student who's who's never done a thing, and in 10 weeks, you know, they're pretty good. So what what key ingredient is in this? Um, okay, so there's there's a lot in that, but... I would say one of the main things is, uh, you know, just losing inhibition, losing, losing fear of, of failure. Uh, it is okay to fail because failure is, is opportunities to learn. I think a lot of students, they're just so caught up in doing it wrong that they just don't want to do it. And I think, you know, I've, I've found that sometimes in my own life personally, you just kind of have to push yourself beyond that. And then another thing that we, we practice is critique. And I think, that is life changing. It, it really is. This. It's one of these things that if you can open yourself up to critique, and, and we see students, you know, as they progress, um, a lot of them think they are you know, professional photographers or videographers and great editors, but they've, they may be the best in the context that they're in because they're, they're the only one in their context. But initially, they're so opposed to hearing anything negative because you know mom dad Mm -hmm. uncle auntie told them how great they were their entire lives Uh, special (laughs) so it's just these little mistakes but by the time you know that we see it and and it's almost like clockwork we'll see them the first two three critiques that we do it's just you know just closed off anything it's immediate immediate excuse immediate and it's their guard is going up but i think when you can kind of just let your guard down. Be open to suggestions. Be open to critique. Uh, it will change the way that you operate. And, and, and now you kind of, you look for critique. You look for opportunities to improve. 
um, I, I would say you know, that's, that's one major area to, to, in the pursuit of excellence, mm-hmm. knowing that it's a pursuit that you're not there yet. Uh, when, when people think that they're there, then they really have so much more to learn. Um, but it's, you know, people in the, in the highest professions, like when, when, they, when they are at the top tier, they're still looking for how can I improve rather than those that are just starting out thinking they're amazing and everything. And the first time they hear that they're not kind of almost, it's almost like shattering to them. But you know, it's, if you can get past the discomfort, um, that's, I think that's such a huge place to grow is, you know, we experience the most growth when we get past discomfort. Yeah. I've done a lot of things in my life and, I've got a lot of education. I have 10 years of education, bachelor's, master's, earned doctorate. Creating media, especially visual media like film, it's the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life to do really, really well. And uh, critique is what takes you there. You do it the very best that you can do, and you, you raise yourself as high as you can. Then you submit it to important eyes to see it, people who are honest and actually know what they're talking about, and let them critique it. Now you take that critique to heart and you thank them for everything they point out. Now you go back to that same project and you fix it and you raise it up. And now when you present it to the world, you look pretty good, but you would never have gotten there. Their critique is the magic super sauce. Um, you know, another thing that we've learned through the years is the importance, because as a teacher, career teacher myself, uh, nobody learns more than the teacher. And we learned pretty early that for our students to become, to go from very little media awareness up to media excellence, the only way there, or the quickest way at least, is they need to be a teacher. So we really encourage our students to go home from school immediately gather three people if that's all you can do get them in your bedroom and just say this is my academy i'm going to tell you everything those people just taught me and start doing it and we will give them our entire curriculum all the help um you know we've seen some really amazing things like like frankie Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah frank frank if you're watching hey buddy um shout out yeah big shout out that for me that was that's some of the most rewarding things uh, in MediaLite is in being part of the MediaLite family is like I get the opportunity to go to different areas where students are and just kind of help them almost almost like a safety net uh, and just just being there with them. But we we did a short school in India and mm-hmm. it was really you know that that was kind of one of those moments where you're just like a proud papa bear seeing you know your students and people that have that you've taught now they're teaching. Um, and honestly, I don't feel like there was a lot that I, that I had to add. It was more of me being able to witness and see, um, them kind of going out on their own. And, and I'm sure they, you know, Frankie and his team kind of experienced some of the same growing pains that, that we experienced setting up is it's, it's not perfection. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of them, as I said before, you know, we let perfection be the enemy of just, just getting started because uh, things are not going to be perfect. If you're starting anything new, it's never going to be perfect. And if it is, then you need to write a book about it and tell us how to do it. Mm. 
And I, you know, our dream uh, as a network is that we're going to help launch points of light around the world. We are so proud of Ganae and her team in Ethiopia. And hello to everybody in Ethiopia. And also Daniel and his team in Vietnam. And shout out to Vietnam. And the Philippines, Rory and Gooch have sort of been the leaders there at uh, pulling together training opportunities for their nation, and we're just so proud of all of you when you do that, and you you rise up and you bring training back home. That's just so important, because we want to multiply uh, Christians who are competent to use this new world language of media. And you know, I've, one of the things I've learned along the way is it's not just the uh, the pieces of media that we make. A lot of times we, we focus on the things we produce, whether it's a video or a song or whatever it is, and like, you know, that that film is going to make a big difference in the world. But sometimes just holding a camera in public and putting yourself out there and saying, or, or coming to someone as a servant and saying, I have this piece of equipment and I have this skill. I'm a photographer or video maker. I'm here to capture your story. You know, sometimes that's all. Even if, even if what comes out, it, that's not really the important. It's that human moment, one by one. I know you've had that experience so many times, and you've actually set up a, a sort of a nonprofit interest in this yourself, Johnny. Tell us a little bit about what photography can do. Yeah, it's um, I've I've seen kind of something you'd said the the power of story and and good stories are meant to be told, even even to be told poorly, like as long as, as long as they're told. And, and um, like I've started doing more and more and I want to do even more of it, um, but capturing photographs and just the, the, the power of a portrait and the, and the sense of pride that it instills in families. Uh, so you mean the giving of the portrait to the person, that's where the power is. Yeah. For, yeah. For me. And, there, and there's other ways to do it, but for me, what I've, what I've started doing uh, and this happened, it started about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd, I'd wanted to just get, cause I get to, to, to travel a lot of different places, but every time that you take a picture, you know, uh, you, you'll show the back of your camera or if you're on your phone, you show them your phone and then it goes with you and then you're out of there. Um, and f- for me, it was, they, I want that sense of like, pride and, and just, you know, that, that smile they have to, to stay with them when, when you, so what I started doing is, you know, it was three or four years ago, I, I went into, started, first time I did it was in Myanmar, but we, we would do, uh, they have a sidewalk Sunday school ministry that they're there in Myanmar that people in the Philippines helped them set up. Um, but it was one of these, you know, it was in a really poor community. They didn't have any, um, you know, the school photos, school portraits, they don't, they don't really have that practice there. So I went in, I said, you know what, I'm going to get a little printer. And I had this little printer that I bought, uh, and just started taking pictures of every kid that was part of the sidewalk Sunday school program and printing it off there in, you know, in the little village that we were in. And just the, the amazing thing to see the expression on the kids' faces and then seeing the parents come after that and, and just saying thank you and then them wanting to get a picture with their kids and then realizing, you know, this is the first time uh, that any of them have held 
their picture with mm-hmm. their family. Um, and it just started getting the wheels turning uh, for me, just showing the power of a photograph. But it was an opportunity to kind of build a bridge between this ministry and these kids and these families but that may not have been wanting to go to the these you know these ministry programs these sidewalk Sunday school programs but now they're more open to it because some guy came in with a camera and they saw oh these people care about us um they're not just here to you know take advantage um and it's so so I've been able to do that in other places so it's kind of in the process now of figuring out okay how do I feel like there's more that, that I can be doing with it. Um, but now figuring out, okay, how do we just make this uh, more systematized or what, actually building a ministry out of it. Um, but the fact of just getting getting started and doing it. So you go to villages and remote places where they've never seen, maybe they've seen each other's camera photos nowadays of themselves, but they've never held a portrait, a properly taken beautiful portrait of a family member and you just print those and you leave them i imagine that's very popular the day you yeah you go there to take those shots and and i've learned a lot in doing it so so for instance you know some places i'll I'll print them right there on site Mm -hmm. but other times it it becomes this you know crowds will start coming and Mm -hmm. i i've only got 50 pieces of photo paper Mm -hmm. so what i do you know gives me an opportunity to um add more validity because I always try to do it with a ministry partner or somebody that's yeah, there on yeah. the ground. And that's a chance to go back a second yeah, time. So, so whether, you know, start taking pictures and then through the, the local context say, Hey, next Saturday, you know, we're going to be back. We're here every week. Next mm-hmm. Saturday, uh, come, if you got your picture taken, we're going to print it and we're, we're going to give it to And it's, it's cool to kind of see them. Now they come back mm-hmm. to that local ministry. Maybe, that was the only time that they they had ever been, but now it gives them an opportunity to come back. Mm. Uh, and it's and it's always with the, you know, with the heart of you know we're here to serve you guys. There's no bait and switch. There's no uh, you know you have to come and be a part of this to, in order to 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 get your photo. It's it's uh, I I feel like every mother deserves to have a picture of their their son or daughter because they're so proud of them. Um, and, and, and it also instills a sense of pride because you know they they're beautiful and they're worth it. Uh, so why not you know treat them that way? Mm-hmm. You know you're somebody who stays up to date. You watch trends. You you know what's going on in the news. You follow the equipment, what's coming out, and trends in media and other things too. Um, you know we're in a big season of disruptive they just keeps happening all this disruptive change and you think couldn't get couldn't get more disruptive and then you know here comes just what three months ago three or four months ago we enter into this whole new place and uh what opened doors do you you know instead of just seeing it as in the negatives what open doors do you see now for god's new messengers if they have competence in using media uh, there's the the world has changed in the past three to six months more so than than in the last ten years. I mean, it's it's crazy how aggressive technology has, has mm-hmm. evolved, and, and it's out of the need of you know necessity. It's it's 
uh, I was listening to an interview of the CEO of Microsoft recently and just kind of talking about, uh, you know, these big corporations, they're thinking 10 years down the road, you know, this is where technology is headed and it has, you know, we, we have to get there eventually, but we know this is where it's coming um, and waiting to implement those plans step by step. And, you know, this, the CEO is kind of talking and saying, you know, what we thought was five, 10 years down the road has already started happening. You know, whether that be uh, the, the, just the influx of digital ordering, digital, you know, just teleconferencing. Uh, they, you know, they believed that teleconferencing was going to happen and the need for travel was going to be less and less, but they didn't realize that it was going to be this fast. So it's seeing now we're, we're in a this, this place right now to where you look at just the rise of, you know, TikTok is this this medium that's, that's taking over the world uh, with, with Instagram and, and all these. So immediately, someone has just a bigger voice, if not bigger, than the largest news networks, the largest, mm -hmm. uh, these people that have been established, the old news media. And, and I think it's it's just progressed so much. So for instance, you're, you're, you look at, like in the United States, there's a lot of political issues going on and and, and it's actually spilled over in different parts of the world with, with racial inequality and things like that. And it is amazing to see the news outlets are now sourcing a lot of their news to people that are there on the ground uh, because they can't go send a film crew anyway because of the, you know, the, the hesitation or the, the travel restrictions that are in place. So they just say, hey, find somebody locally. Yeah, and it's too slow. Yeah, and mm -hmm. we're seeing now People in these in these last three, four, five months are used to seeing now an interview taking place uh, digitally rather than being in the room. They are sending a news reporter, sending a field reporter. So it opens a door for, for somebody, you know, the excuse of I don't have enough equipment. I don't have enough this or that. Those barriers have been taken down because the largest, new, you know, Al Jazeera, CNN, uh, BBC, they have field reporters with cell phones. Mm -hmm. So people are used to seeing this. So the, like we'd said before, you know, letting perfection being the enemy of just getting started. Um, I think the opportunities are, are, we're there, what we thought was going to happen, you know, five, six years from now. Uh, you know, we could do an interview digitally, teleconference, the technology was there, but people were, slow to adopt it because maybe the picture quality wasn't as good as they thought it'd be. They, they thought the picture quality would catch up in 10 years, mm -hmm. but they've kind of jumped those hurdles, jumped those barriers. Uh, you know, picture quality may not be there yet, but it's okay. People might not care. Yeah. We don't, we don't care as much. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, uh, the opportunity for somebody to, to, to do a ministry, to do something from mm -hmm. their living room or from their own backyard mm -hmm. The barriers of entry are, are, have completely just been blown out of the water. Right, 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 right. Just a cell phone, you can do so much. Well, I, we will have you back because there's so much I want to talk to you about. And you've got 10 years now as a teacher. You're a media missionary on your own. In many countries of the world, you're moving all through the season. And, and you just have a lot to share. And we want to hear it from you. If somebody wanted to reach out to you after hearing this and say, I want to talk to, to Johnny Moore. Uh, how could they get a hold of you? Um, easiest way. Uh, I don't 
I don't check Facebook as much anymore just just because it's yeah I, I Instagram's probably the best way for me so it's just Johnny Moore uh, J O N N Y M O O R E is Instagram is probably the best way and that's that's a good way to know who you are and what you're about anyway so all right thanks for coming by Johnny appreciate it Johnny, we all love Johnny, don't we? Put up those hearts. I saw them going up. Ah, that was so good and so much to think about between the talk on Babylon and also Johnny's interview. And we're going to take some questions and uh, comment on some of the comments that you all gave. Uh, But speaking of critique, we love critique, and if you've ever joined us at Media Light, which most of you have that are here and some of you are coming, um, you know how much we love critique, and critique makes us so much better, and um, we critique this show at the end of the show every week. We get on with our, our heads of the show, and we, we t- take it apart, and we critique it. And um, one of the things that we're working on right now is fine-tuning our Zoom room. So today, we will not be having Zoom parties um, after the show, but stay tuned. We're going to come back with them in a week or two, and uh, we'll be announcing about that, and we're just fine-tuning to make them better for you. All right. Well, I appreciate uh, Diane and Graham Vermouten being with us today. And engaging us with comments. We went to Media Village uh, when I was transitioning out of seminary and we were church planters and we knew we were supposed to enter into media missions and especially training um, God's people to use media for mission. Uh, We needed training ourselves. So we went to Cape Town and went to Media Village and met, uh, had met Graham and Diane and just became such lifelong friends. And so learned a lot there when we started. It was, again, Media Village, Graham, Diane, their son Shane, mm-hmm. coming over at their own expense to get us started and help us get rolling. And we will always be indebted to you guys mm-hmm. for that. You, you prove uh, the level of your friendship and your loyalty, and we love you forever. So. Amen. Thanks for any, all the comments. And you can see when either one of them uh, makes a comment, there it's always like, it's gold. Ah, well, just, uh, it's, it's not so many questions today as it is just comments, comments from people. <laughs> and just so beautiful. Wow, I'm really, really happy to see Frank there today. Met wow. him. You know what's interesting? <laughs> Long, long story, and I, I won't tell it. But uh, first, there's creating media and sending it, you know, like missiles, and it's got messages in it. But then there's just creating media. And that was part of what I wanted to get to with Johnny's interview. You know, he, he, is, uh, he has found, and we have discovered the same thing, uh, he has found that just going somewhere and taking someone's photo already establishes a bridge between live humans. Now, that photo is not going in a magazine. It's not going to be published. He's going to print it and just hand it to a mom. And she's going to have her first and only photograph 
of her child and she's going to pin it to the wall, you know, and I noticed that Diane had uh, a comment sort of the same about being in Egypt and seeing how people treasured the photo, but just that you are making media has opportunities in it already. If you have a camera, even if your camera is your cell phone, but if you would just learn to use that moment and to engage people and interact with people, it opens opportunity. You know, we discovered that in Tibet and, uh, you want to tell, did you already tell this? I didn't tell that story. Um, the same thing happened with me as what Johnny was talking about, and also Di have mentioned in her comment. Uh, we went to Tibet, um, and Chuck and I just sat at the temple gate for three days. This probably happened oh, maybe 20 years ago. And we were sitting in the temple gates in Lhasa, and um, we just wanted to feel what was going on there. And, and um, we watched the people all throughout that uh, time frame, and um, began to make friendships, relationships, just the language of love. And um, so I began taking photos of them. And back in those days, you know, um, to see a photo of yourself, we didn't have digital cameras, and it was film. And um, by the third day, I had taken a lot of photos. If you know me, you know I take a lot of photos. And I went and had them printed, and then I went back and I gave the ladies and the men the photos. I mean, it was like an uproar. Actually, the police came mm-hmm. around us. and uh, But they would get doing? the picture. They'd kiss the picture. They'd stuck this in their heart. They would kiss me. They'd uh-huh, hug me. Uh-huh, and yeah. um, it was just incredible what it did, just a simple photo. And um, the same thing happened on our way. When we first arrived, we stopped. I, I love people, and I love culture, and I'm... Um, we were riding past this village, and I asked our driver, can you stop? And we got out. We walked through the village. I just took my time taking photo after photo after photo, and I love faces. And um, so I took all these photos, and I told the friend that we were visiting there. I said, on our way back, please schedule that we have at least an hour or two extra time because I want to stop back at that village, and I want to take these people their photos. And um, went back. I found the different ones. And again, the same thing. It was incredible what happened. They were inviting us into their homes. They were wanting to give us food. And that same friend who had been there for some period of time said to us, I've had so much trouble getting into the the homes and hearts of, of the people here, you know, without the language, the language barrier, and just understanding the culture. And, you know, and then she wrote us sometime later and said, we're back in these homes. I've gone, been able to go back. I've been able to start friendships. And it, again, it was just taking the time, taking the photos, and then giving the, the pictures back to them. It was mm-hmm. amazing, the doors that opened for us and the hearts. Yeah. There's a growing resistance around the world to walking up to somebody with a, you know, a track <laughs> or, or even, you know, with your Bible. Or, and you've got the best intentions. But there is a a growing resistance to anything like that. But the human engagement that media allows us uh, to have and the access, um, uh, other situations, if if you raise your media up to a more professional level and you start doing things like documentaries uh, or you have a podcast that it it gathers enough of a 
a crowd to warrant it, you can now start reaching out to people who would not, um, they wouldn't give you an appointment except you have a platform and they'd like to be on your platform. So you have this access and, and not just what happens when you're on the air, but more importantly, what happens when you're riding in the car together and having food in between, you know, the, the public side of what you're doing. Those are, those are precious moments and it's in the making of that you have all these opportunities. So it's just, uh, it's a tremendous uh, opportunity that we've all got in front of us. And photography is one of those things that if you just set your heart to it, you can learn to be a good photographer, even if you don't have a hand for art and you can't sing and you're not musical. If you want, uh, you know, an art, uh, something to, to really take and make art because there's something in all of us that wants to be a creator. And I think creativity, and we'll get to those lessons a little bit later, creativity is worship. And we can do this in a way that builds bridges to people. And just media is such an amazing way to, uh, to reach out to people, the, the making of media. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I wanted to talk about Babylon today, and it's sort of the theme of this whole first season because we have always been in this wrestling between the two great cities. You know, there's the city of God and the one that Abraham was searching for that he said the builder and maker of that city is God. And then there is, there is Babylon. And Babylon has had many forms. In all of our nations, there is Babylon. And it speaks all of our languages and it seduces our good people and tries to draw them into the darkness. It uh, fuels the evil in the people that have already gone dark inside. And Babylon makes war with the house of God. And the, you know, the end of the scripture is the glory of the new Jerusalem as God's city wins out. And we enter the gates one day of a city that is built by God himself. He made a garden, he made a world. Uh, we've not seen the city that he is building. And that's a beautiful day that's coming for all of those who long for his appearing and all those who love him. These days are troubled days around the world. And part of that trouble is to, is to shake us up and to help us understand that although we might live in Babylon right now, this world is our home. We're going to live in this world forever. But Babylon is not our home. The systems that humans have built, uh, those things are foreign to us, and they have to be foreign to us. Okay. How do you use media? I use photography one. or media to okay, make people up. realize their need for change, like get the poor mindset out of people. Uh, Audris is asking. Mm. Well, I do think that media has a way of going around all the, you know, all the barriers. And that's why in our last week's story, or two weeks ago, we talked about how Nathan crafted a story to get to David. And media is a very emotional language. It can make us feel things that we haven't really thought about yet. 
and enough of that and our heart gets softened. So I think there are creative ways for Christians to use media if we can get Christians to use media for outreach. Because honestly, probably 99% of everything Christians produce in media, it's either a fundraising video or it's the announcements for church or it's a PowerPoint illustrations for sermons. And it's you got all this creativity across the world in the body of Christ. And at this point, we own a lot of equipment. I mean, if you counted the movie screens in the world, most of them are in churches. Mm-hmm. We've got massive movie screens. There are churches that spend two, three, four, five million dollars just on the lights system in their buildings. I mean, we have incredible assets if we just use them for something except ourselves. We have opportunity. We have skilled people. It just is not on the priority list. You know, if we knew, but we actually do know because it's in the Word. If we knew that we were on a Titanic and it's going to sink, you know, what is the point of making this you know, paint the walls and let's do something cool about the Titanic. It's we're on this ship and it's going down. What we have to do is reach the people on the ship. We have a limited amount of time and we've got to get urgent about this and Mm -hmm. say, okay, we've been playing church long enough. We've had church so many times and had a great emotional boost and had a great time. And then, you know, went out to eat together quick you know, to get in the restaurant before there's too many people. And we've done that for decades. And we've hardly used this amazing, well, the opportunity of our life. Yes. I'm not even saying media is a great, awesome thing. We are the tool. Media is just, it's like a brush for a painter. Mm-hmm. You can make mm-hmm. things with That's it. True. And it's gotten so easy to make things if you'll think about it. Mm-hmm. But the point is, Lost people matter to God, and they have to matter to the church. And if that means that we don't get to have church anymore, I don't think it bothers God. It's like, I want lost people to hear the message. And if you will focus on them, we can wrap this up. But, you know, that's been the church's struggle all along is we get the same selfishness in us that is in the world and you can point fingers at them, but we do so many of the things that they do. We do also. And God is calling the church in this crisis time globally. Mm -hmm. uh, However you see the crisis, it's still an upside down time and it's a time to revisit Mm -hmm. what we're doing Mm -hmm. and to turn these assets for the central purpose of the church, and that is be a light to the nations. Reach out to them, harvest the harvest, and prepare ourselves, keep ourselves clean from the ways of Babylon, but speak to Babylon, speak to Babylon until God calls us to quickly leave Babylon so Babylon can have its day. Well, I think that's, unless you've got something you want to add, That's a lot to think about. We need to meditate on that for a while.
I would say do share this program. Um, <laughs> I shared so much last week after we were finished. <laughs> the Facebook locked me out. I think they were, thought I was spamming. Facebook. <laughs> I kept saying, shut <laughs> Why won't my, why won't this? We're working on the settings. <laughs> I think. You got back. <laughs> so don't send, like I did, to everybody you know. I didn't send to everybody. I went one by one by one by one by one, but it took hours, and I got locked out for a while. So, but do share this. Um, I think it's important that we all hear this, and we all take it to heart, and we live it every single day, every minute of our lives to do that. Well, that's all from us now. The mic is yours. Go raise your voice.